the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. I'm Joe, he's John. Boy, it's been a long time, John. I almost forgot what you looked like. I, I mean, I really haven't changed that much. Not it's really, like- but you know, the you know, out of sight, out of mind. It's been, <laughs> it's been quite a while. You uh, say that like we haven't we, seen each other like half a dozen times well, since then. <laughs> the, the circumstances of the calendar uh, worked against us, and it just so happened that part of that was the delay of the World Series. We haven't recorded. The last time we recorded, John, the Phillies were National League champions and had not yet played the World Series, yet alone lost it. And the the Union had not even qualified for MLS Cup Final. Forget about drawing it and losing the penalty shoot. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, literally everything. We've got a lot to talk about, um, namely the Phillies. Uh, I don't want to call it failure to win a championship, but the Phillies not winning the World Series, the Union not winning MLS Cup, and the Eagles not being undefeated anymore, but still being atop the NFL in some ways, despite their own best efforts. Um, I believe Let us not forget though, all of that positive flyers news. I'll wait. Uh, I think the flyers, I saw someone say the flyers have won one more game since the Phillies lost the world series than the Phillies have. <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. And that's been three and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, there've been a lot of Eagles games since we last chatted. Uh, none of them, all that, reassuring for the uh, local professional football team, at least in my opinion. So we're going to have a, a, a more of a general conversation about the Eagles and where they are after the win over Green Bay. We're going to try to revisit the Phillies in Union. Uh, to be honest, the only day I think that we could have actually sat down and recorded was literally the day after both of those uh, series slash seasons ended and neither and of us there had was any no interests way, there was no way that i was even getting out of bed that day let alone recording a podcast we're like oh you know what we'll give it a couple days and then uh, i got sick had to travel after that you got busy i got busy so i, I guess the one thing though that we we both did uh thanksgiving just passed so happy belated thanksgiving how was yours Look, I'm I'm full. I had. Are you a big Thanksgiving guy? I am. It's my favorite holiday. And what about it makes it your favorite holiday? It's the most straightforward holiday, possibly on the calendar. I would say. I, I I can't think of anything. There's no, there's no trappings. It's just it's it's food. It's TV. I would argue that it's, it's all family. trappings, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> um, but I don't want to belabor the point. It's it's all it's it's simple, straightforward. It's. You know, again, food, conversation, TV, napping is heavily involved, <laughs> and we all get the day off afterwards. Or I should say, we all those who <laughs> those who are lucky enough don't yeah. have to work that day. I, I've always cited it as my favorite holiday because it's a day dedicated to eating a, a big meal and watching football. And I celebrated by not watching football at all. I watched a lot of soccer games. Uh, the World Cup is going on. So you did watch football. I watched football to some people, yeah. Um, so much that can be said about that that uh, that we won't talk about because we just have too much to discuss. And again, not even factoring in the Sixers and Flyers yet. Um, but uh, I, I've Christmas tends to be a, a holiday where I've done more uh, in the kitchen over the past number of years. We've talked about uh, my foray into the prime rib business. Um, well, I shouldn't say business because nobody's selling anything. The prime rib, uh, spending a lot of my own money on, uh, but Thanksgiving I I've kind of shied away from, but this year I decided to, to make macaroni and cheese, mostly because the person who usually makes macaroni and cheese, uh, wasn't going to be there. And instead of not having it, I was like, well, I have to step up into the void and, and I don't want to get too deep into it because trust me, I could, 
I could get really granular, but uh, uh, what happened was I didn't follow a recipe. I based. I mean, you open the box of Kraft mac and cheese. <laughs> I boil the water. A, a a Frankensteined version of homemade mac and cheese off of a recipe. I was like, all right, I'll scale it up a little bit. I'll change a couple things here and there. But it, it wasn't a real scientific scaling up. Instead of saying, all right, well, I need this much, so let me weigh it out. I just kind of like looked on the package of cheese and said, all right, I'll cut it there. You know, and I was rewarded by having much more cheese sauce than I needed for the noodles that I was cooking. I expected something of a disaster, but we cooked the macaroni and cheese a little longer than was called for, broiled it a little longer to get that nice crispy top, and it came out absolutely perfect, which is really frustrating because I can't duplicate it because I didn't write anything down. I didn't take any notes. I, I screwed up at every turn, and then in the end, I, I ended up... Uh, with a perfect mac and cheese, I would argue that's a a, a portent of our Phillies World Series discussion uh, to come later. And I know it's going to make you mad what? when I make that comparison. But <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> It'll all make sense later. But first, I hope so. since the Phillies and Union are no longer in season, despite, again, like I said, being right in the thick of it the last time we talked, let's talk about the Eagles. The Eagles are 10-1 and after... <sighs> I don't know that I would call it exciting or entertaining 40 to 33 win over the Packers on Sunday night football. Entertaining. It was something. I was at the game. Uh, it was the first Eagles game I've been to in, uh, I want to say it was like seven or eight years. And I think it's the first time I've seen the Eagles win in person since December of 1990. There was a game where Troy Aikman got knocked out wow. on like the first play. Grandpa, and, well, tell us yeah, how the my, game was. <laughs> my dad and I were going to the vet, you know, and we had to ride the subway uphill both ways. And I remember we were late and being on the subway, somebody had a radio. And before we even got on the subway car, the Eagles had knocked Troy Aikman out of the game. And so I just went and looked up when that happened. And that happened in Philadelphia in December of 1990. I think that's the last time I saw the Eagles win in person. And granted, I don't go to a lot of Eagles games. I think professional football is best consumed via television. And in person, it's something I could do maybe once a year, once every other year. Uh, I haven't been to a, a day game in many, many years. It's usually a night game when I go. But th there's just so much downtime in a football game that being there for it makes it seem even worse. I will say they put the TV timeout clock on the scoreboard, which is always nice. So, you know, okay, we've got two minutes and 22 seconds before there's going to be a kickoff followed by another timeout. But, you know, I digress. Um, it was a very strange game to me, and I don't know if it felt that way on television. It felt like... You know, five minutes in, the Eagles are up two scores and it's going to be a blowout. And then four minutes later, they're down a point. And it never really got outside of that sort of gap. And, and there was a brief time where they were up 34-20 in the second half. Um, I honestly never felt like they were going to lose the game. But I was never all that confident for reasons that we'll get into. But you called it entertaining. Yeah, it was like a college shootout. And then... You know, the, the possibility of Aaron Rodgers lurking helps. And then all of a sudden he, he did not lurk because <laughs> it that was would like have been pac 12 painful. after dark. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, it was a fun, entertaining game. And to kind of go off of what you were saying, if you're at home, you're Made watching it. all the it. more fun because you knew that you didn't have to wait for the subway and, and, and make your way home at midnight afterward. <laughs> I, I just went right to bed. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I agree. I think football is a, b a better TV sport. I think when you watch games like this at home, it's like, oh, another score, another TV timeout. All right. And then, when, you I'm know, go get another drink. <laughs> and then when you're actually at the game, like all of a sudden, I think the seeds of doubt creep in just a little bit more. Um, I never really was too worried, but it was, it was kind of more of a, a buckle up type of game. Mm -hmm. I remember going with a family member down to Baltimore. And I think I talked about this 
when the Eagles played the Ravens in 2008, the game that Donovan McNabb got benched for Kevin Cobb. It was the Kevin Cobb game. I may have been at the, the Jordan Love game last night. That could have been it for Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, or at all. Now, I say that he'll come back and play next week, but sounds like uh, he's got a pretty comprehensive rib injury going on, and that could keep him out, and they're 4-8 and eight now. There's really nothing for them to play for other than next year. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm the uh, the harbinger of, of bad things for quarterbacks. After three decades of being a jinx on the Eagles. <laughs> I mean, starting with Troy Aikman, there, there might be something there. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough. I don't think that's his last game ever. I don't think it's the last time we'll see him. I don't him. think he'll allow it to be his last game ever. But it is interesting. Like, like That Russell Wilson trade has to make so many teams think twice about it. Now, there's still a lot of GMs who would do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, make the deal for Aaron Rodgers, but oh man, like, do you remember? Was it a year ago that for Christmas I gave the Eagles Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> How'd that work <laughs> Maybe out? It was two years ago. You know what? Well, I <laughs> I won't say what I was about to say. I will say that I still think Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he has the the crew around him to to be the best version of Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's still, he's still him. I'm going to, I'm just going to call timeout on the, the script that we have right here. All right. Any quarterback you and I have seen in our collective lifetimes who just based on skills alone, who would you draft number one overall to build your franchise around? Seen in person or seen like just has played watched on TV. I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, I I do too. Like, I, I mean, I it, it's it seems controversial, kind of, because the obvious answer is Brady. Because and if you're of, not going to take Brady, maybe one. Manning. But like, yeah, imagine those guys if they had any mobility whatsoever. Yeah, you'd have, and that's Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he he's got the arm. He he he's got the the football smarts. I I saw him draw the Eagles offside on a a fourth down. It deep in the end zone, and uh, there, there was some. It actually, they ended up calling a false start on the Packers. But it, it, when it happened, it was like, oh, he did it. That's what he does. It's like his he, Omaha. Yeah, he's he's the best to ever do that. Uh, I mean, you think about all the quarterbacks we've seen and all the physical gifts they have. Nobody's had as many of them in the same package with the, you know, the fact that like he's much more football smart than you and knows it and uses it. And I, I, and I really, really want to emphasize the football smart part of it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They pop up on the board, Aaron Rodgers, questionable ribs. And I put up, I made a comment. Oh, they should put up Aaron Rodgers, questionable galaxy brain. I got a couple (laughs) laughs. laughs. That's all I need. (laughs) Two Packers fans after the Eagles went up 13, nothing walked out of our row to get another drink and my buddy was with me he's like oh they're leaving already i was like they've seen enough everybody they've seen enough and like i said five minutes later it was 14 13 <laughs> so i apologize for then, that then you walk back to get a couple beers <laughs> I, I i was starting to think like you know we had joked about the two of us being uh a jinx or at least one of us we weren't sure which one and uh glad to shake that last night but uh I said we were going to talk about well, the, the general I, I, Eagles. I mean, that kind of leads into my next question because I, I feel like there's some crow that could be eaten on this podcast. If you could draft one Eagles quarterback ever in their history to build your franchise around, are we watching him right now? No. No? Absolutely not. No. We watched him for 10 years in the early 2000s. It's not an ab and it's not even a question. Do you do you really want to have that debate? I, I th- what can Jalen Hurts do that at Donovan McNabb couldn't do? Because I can tell you what Donovan McNabb could do that Jalen Hurts can't do, and that's throw the ball deep downfield. You're just trying to goad me into crapping on Jalen Hurts, and you don't even have to try that hard. I I I want to I want to get into the conversation because there's something I I want to say and that I have to say that I know you're going to want to hear. So 
let's 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 move along. We can we can table the uh, yeah, get the pen out. We can am, table the. Uh, no, th- this the is McNab a needle going into talk. a voodoo doll where I'm trying to goad <laughs> you into doing something. So the, the Eagles went to Houston while nobody in town was paying attention because it was during Game Five of the World Series, thanks to the rain. Right. Everyone was still watching Philly Houston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't exactly impress. They, they they won the game, but. You know, it was one of those things where, look, we're just going to go down there, do what we need to do, take care of business, fine. Then they came home after a long period off and laid an egg against the Carson Wentzless Washington football team. Referee situation may or may not have contributed. Personally, I think Brandon Graham made one of the dumbest plays of the century, but Ooh, that I'm, can be that can be debated. I, I got to hang that one on Quez Watkins. <laughs> Um, well, <laughs> I'm talking specifically about allowing that roughing the, the passer or unnecessary roughness late hit flag to come in when, when the guy's on the ground before he even turned the corner. But whatever. They go out to Indianapolis, play like garbage, and then don't take the lead until the final couple minutes, get the win. And then last night, the defense was as bad as the offense was the week before. But <laughs> three wins in that period. They're 10-1. and one. You are what your record is. Your general thoughts, because mine are just one of concern, right? Like, this is a 10-1 team that feels like it's headed towards 13-4, 14-3, and then losing in the divisional round at home to a team that, you know, finished 12-5 and but had to play in the wild card game. Maybe a team from their own division. I don't know. You, you don't much... want to agree with me, but you also can't, in good faith, completely disagree, right? <laughs> Here's what worries me about this team: is the special teams. And special Last teams night was awful. Is often a sign of overall depth. Here's what I think they are: I think they are, without question, the best team in the NFC. They are one of the best teams in football. There is a big difference in those in those things. I think when you Look, I think they can, they could obviously, they could beat anyone. Like, they're just that good. But I don't know if they have the overall makeup to make a deep run. We'll find out because going into the year, we didn't think Jalen Hurts had an MVP caliber year in him. <laughs> uh, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't think that the receivers were going to gel right away. We didn't, there's a lot of things we didn't think about. Granted, I think some of this is watching it as a home fan and all of the inconsistencies or little things that your team does seem like a bigger deal, whereas every team really has it. Honestly, this is probably, I feel like we say this every year and it just gets progressively more of the case, but this is one of the most wide open seasons we've ever seen because what you're looking at, who is the Super Bowl favorite? There's answers on the other side of the conference that are a little bit more competitive, Kansas City, Buffalo, etc. But the Eagles have to be there just because the path to the number one seed and the conference is just huge. Like, who else in this conference cares you? That's sort of in the divisional round, you know, maybe San Francisco, or not in the, not in the divisional round, but maybe San Francisco, but, um, you know, Minnesota, they've already beaten the Vikings. Dallas, Divisional opponent, I would say that game's 50-50 at best. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just enjoying <laughs> what it is and record this, play it back to me in January when I don't enjoy it. <laughs> but for right now, I think we have no choice but to enjoy the ride, not worry too much. Like, I, I get like, how many times do we get a season like this? Not that often. So just enjoy it while it happens. And then the playoffs is a whole other season. Are they easily the best team in the NFC, or are they a very good team that is one of the best in the NFC, but has probably the most dynamic weapon currently on a roster in the NFC in their quarterback? Because Minnesota's 9-2, and two, and yeah, the Eagles handled them in Week 2, okay? The only other loss the Vikings have, and granted, it was a capital L loss, was to Dallas, who was just two games behind the Eagles. Okay, and you mentioned San Francisco. They're they're kind of steamrolling. They are uh, a, an even heavier run team than the Eagles are. And now, granted, 
their, their quarterback maybe forces that situation, but you know, that's the kind of thing that travels. Well, that those are the teams that went on the road in the postseason. Those are the teams that, that can, you know, play in any weather condition in any stadium and are dangerous. So I think there's, there's three teams at the top, the Eagles, the Vikings and the 49ers. But I, I know their record is, is ahead. I don't know that they're that head and shoulders above everyone. When everyone plays at their best, they can be, but we haven't seen that in a while now. And it's just, I feel like last year they, they kind of benefited from a softer schedule, punched above their weight and overachieved, right? This year, I think they may be overachieving a little bit to this point again, right? And they they got better. Like talent wise, they got better than they were last year. So maybe maybe this is what like whatever we thought they were gonna be this season is is what you know was what last year was. Like we, we thought maybe they'll be a little better and you know they won nine games last year. Maybe maybe we're looking at ten eleven would be the good step forward because we, we definitely saw nine as a bit of an overachievement. Well now they're headed towards, like I said, thirteen or fourteen, if not more. That seems a little bit much. And when you get into the playoffs, and I know, yes, enjoy it. It's a different season. When you get into the playoffs, that 14 or 15 win record they might have goes out the window. And if you're really an 11 or 12 win team, that's when it'll show up. Like last year in Tampa, they were the six or seven win team that they really were. And it really showed up then. So I, th- there is a... I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say they're coasting. They're not coasting. But there is uh, there is an air of, uh, I don't know about this team right now to me. And they, they keep winning through it for the most part. But it can all come crashing down in a heartbeat. <laughs> and that heartbeat might start when Derrick Henry rolls into town next week. Who knows? Here's what I'll say to kind of counter that, and it works well with Derrick Henry specifically. I like how the defensive line is shaping up. I like that they're getting veteran bodies in there that still look like they have some mileage in it. And then Jordan Davis is coming back. Fletcher Cox looked rejuvenated last night. Hey, hey, who are those veterans they signed again? Don't make me spell it. <laughs> I noticed when you wrote your quick fix entry, you didn't even bother trying to spell Indomicon. <laughs> Why bother? It's, it's a holiday weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the the fact that those kind of guys wanted to come here says a lot about the organization, about the team, about the culture, about the guys that are here, and about their chances to win. And if those guys are able to hold down the fort, you know, while Jordan Davis recovers before he comes back, while everybody gets, you know, healthy and, and the defense kind of figures things out, great. But we're going to find out on, on Sunday afternoon how, you know, how much of a contribution they're really going to be able to make. Um, you mentioned the defensive line. Uh, one of the topics I had here was like moving forward. What is a focus for you? And and you, that's what you talked about. I, I think the offense... Like last night, they ran the ball down the Packers' throats, as at least one of us openly predicted. Now, I don't think anybody saw 300-some yards rushing, but they need to balance the offense more. And it seems like without Dallas Goddard, last week they struggled immensely on offense. Uh, I believe three different tight ends recorded penalties in Indianapolis. (laughs) And... uh, Last night, the passing game left a little bit to be desired. Um, they're going to have to, and, and they know better than we do how long Goddard's going to be out, but they're going to have to figure out how to work this offense without him for however long they need to do it. It reminds me of when Nick Foles took over for Carson Wentz in 2017. It took a few weeks towards the end of that season to kind of figure out what the playbook was going to be for Foles. And I really don't think they got cooking until the, the the NFC Championship game. So maybe it only cooked for two games, but it was for the two games you needed it to cook. It worked. <laughs> they survived the divisional game, and then they cooked for two games. But it, we saw it again the following season when he came in 
uh, when they benched Wentz with the back injury. But it could be something like that where they got to take a few weeks, figure out what to do to, to make this offense tick in a way that it, that it has to to win games late in the year. Uh, hopefully they'll have him back, but um, you know we'll, we'll see. Like I said, they know better than we do. What did you think of the offense the last couple of weeks? Because obviously I was not impressed. Up and down. Again, again it's, it's 360 yards rushing notwithstanding. That's always an impressive number. But you know what I mean. I, I feel like this is just the ebb and the flow of the NFL season. You're not going to be mm-hmm. – this isn't college football uh, or high school football where you can get a dominant team and they're going to put up 60 points every week. It's not how it works. You have to give credit to the – Guys on the other team, I don't know. Do you tip your helmet? I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, I, I'm not worried yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> I don't like that. I just said that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not worried. I think it'll straighten itself out. Yeah. Last week the defense was really good in Indianapolis. Credit slash consider the opponent, of course. Uh, last night against Green Bay, the defense was not very good, but the offense picked them up. So. If you can if you can make that work, that sort of rotation every week, great. But that's not usually the recipe for winning football. Uh, there's one thing that I did want to mention that I know you've been waiting for. I was going to say, speaking of making it work. <laughs> um, I kind of have to applaud Jalen Hurts for how he's played. There, there's a caveat here. Um, the thing that really that really stands out is he overcame the the greatest albatross in Philadelphia sports, and that's uh, me. Um, like I mentioned, it had been 30-some years since I saw the Eagles win, and he went out and had an all-time sort of game last night uh, with, with with me there, and he overcame that. I mentioned earlier about him being maybe the most dynamic weapon in the, in the NFC. Uh, maybe like a Patrick Mahomes light, really. Um, but... The Eagles right now seem like they are really, really reliant on him. And any team, when its quarterback goes down, will struggle. But to me, like the way that he has to play to be effective is also the way that is conducive to you know, looking up and seeing Gardner Minshew in the game. And if Gardner Minshew is in the game, you're not the Eagles anymore. You're what? You're the Giants? the <laughs> look, like, look this, this isn't what i said about making it work i think it's time for i think it's time for a wins pool update <laughs> i just i just want to say i i just want to say that like talk about again, how well i'm doing I'm not, please <laughs> the, the the problems that i've had with jalen hurts haven't gone away but he has carried this team to where they are right now mm, also carrying and my wins pool i would hope that that some of that load can be distributed and right. We haven't seen it at this point in the season. I would have hoped that there would have been a little less reliance on the one man wrecking crew aspect of it. And I don't know. So, so kudos to Jalen hurts, but take that as a warning. The rest of the team, you gotta, you, you gotta cut the guy a break. All right. You're talking about the winds pool. We haven't updated that in a while. Um, we just added things up beforehand and uh, there was a small error in the rounding because the numbers were a little closer than we both thought. And then I realized we just copied something wrong. Um, I think the big things that stand out obviously are you have the Eagles with 10 wins. I was mocked for that pick. Mocked. <laughs> I wouldn't say mocked. I would. <laughs> I may have laughed. Play it back. <laughs> um, uh, Buffalo, eight wins, which actually I think is probably less than where everyone thought they would be at this point. Uh, Baltimore, seven. Again, probably less than what you may have expected. Definitely less than what you expected. Green Bay, four wins for a total of 29. I I feel like you probably should have been sitting on 35 with that group right now, you probably thought, right? Yeah, that that is the shocker of all of the what-could-go-wrong teams. Uh, I would say probably Buffalo was one as in, like, I wasn't worried about them. Green Bay was probably number two. Yeah. 
Well, the only way in which 29 is a good number is when I show up with a 24. <laughs> Kansas City, That's nine wins. That's right where you expect to be. Uh, Tennessee, seven. Okay. All uh, right. All right for them. Yeah, you know, they were they were a really good team last year, but they were never a team that you were thinking, oh, man, they're going to win 14 games this year. So you take that. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Tampa Bay, exactly where I thought they would be. They are atop the NFC South. The problem is they're atop the NFC South with five wins, which would be infuriating and shocking and like the thing I ran about for 10 minutes if the LA Rams hadn't only won three games to this point. The Rams, after winning the Super Bowl, are three and eight. Normally the team that loses the Super Bowl struggles. I, I couldn't tell you how many wins the Bengals have right now. But they're doing a lot more better than, than the Rams. More than are. three. <laughs> the Rams are last in their division. I think they are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Like Houston has the number one pick basically secured. The Rams are right in there for number two, and, and I believe they don't even have their own pick. Uh, if you want to look at the draft, the Eagles right now are sitting at like number six, thanks to New Orleans. So uh, that's it's, you know, it's a really a, interesting yeah. draft this year because there's a couple of top picks. Like normally you'd think, all right, Howie Wheeler dealer time. Yeah. Even if you don't use the pick, you could trade it. Yeah, but there's 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 a couple teams that are going to be drafting really high that aren't even using their own pick. Like yeah. look at Seattle. Like <laughs> that trade is looking like the heist of the century. You know and. We thought Howie had the heist of the century with the Saints pick. And this is – I know we don't like to talk about the NFL draft really at all. Yeah. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because there's always going to be teams that want to move up. You're going to see a team that plays in its conference championship game drafting in the top 10 probably. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> uh, actually, I think the biggest heist of the century is uh, Russell Wilson getting paid whatever he's getting paid right now to do whatever it is he's doing in Denver. That's right. <laughs> so uh, John with a five-win lead uh, as we head to what, week 13 coming up. That's uh, six weeks left in the season. Uh, not a lot of time for uh, – my motley crew of garbage football teams <laughs> to uh, to make up that ground, but hey, you never know. Uh, the Packers, you know, they put in Jordan Love. You could uh, clinch it. They start running away with some games, but uh, so that's that. John can't say that I've ignored the update. I put that one in of my own volition. Uh, I expect uh, full kudos during the break. But uh, let's take a break. It's enough uh, football for now. We can't fit four weeks into <laughs> one podcast segment. We promise the next time we record, there will be a lot fewer games to talk about. But when we come back, we will go all the way into the Wayback Machine. To <sighs> Do we have to? The start of the month. Yeah, we have to. It would be, it would be kind of, uh, I won't say hypocritical, but I don't know. It'd be, it'd be kind of New York fanish for us to... You know, get all excited, talk about the playoffs, have a World Series preview, and then pretend it never happened. So we're going to talk about the Phillies, and then I'm going to wail about the Union. So stick around. <laughs> what a great sales pitch. We're going to cry and moan for a little bit, so come on back. Stick around. <laughs> we'll be right back. We're back on the Philly Frenetics podcast. John, I wonder if we were ever actually busy at all over the last month and just really were trying to avoid this conversation. Are we breaking the up? Phillies. <laughs> well, that's a question that might get asked of the Phillies, and maybe we'll talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But um, the Phillies, I'll say this, on the night after Halloween, the Phillies took a 2-1 lead in the World Series. And that's where it ended. That's where we're going to pretend that it ended. And, uh, <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, uh, they did play what turned out to be the last three games of that series. And the Phillies fell to the Astros four games to two in the World Series. And you talked about enjoying what the Eagles are doing. 
the, the Phillies had a bit of a magical run there. Talk about a team overachieving. You know, making the playoffs was the expectation and, and what we all thought they would do. I, mean, I guess that's the definition of the word expectation. But uh, <laughs> uh, going to the World Series wasn't, and it's something that should be cherished and enjoyed. And there are a lot of people in the Philadelphia area who are going to be unwrapping a lot of Phillies gear on Christmas morning. And there will be a lot of excitement come April about baseball in Philadelphia for the first time. Well, I I guess every year, the last few years, there's been excitement. It will be on a level that we haven't seen in a long, long time. That is all wonderful. And we will appreciate it in due time. However, three and a half weeks later, it still sucks (laughs) in large part, I think because of the way it happened. All right. They, They hit, all those home runs, they win seven nothing to take a two games of one lead, and it was like, you know, if they just win their home games, we're winning the World Series, and they promptly went out the next night and got no hit. Just the second World Series no hitter in history, um, and then immediately everyone was like, "Well, it wasn't a real no hitter; it was combined." Yeah, you know who says that? People whose teams just got no hits in a World Series game. Uh, but that was the Phillies' <sighs> season in a wrong, microcosm, right? But it's not right. It's <laughs> but that was the Phillies in a nutshell this year, right? They hit a bunch of home runs, and then the next night they literally do nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. Uh, that's why they might need to sign... Uh, well, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> Fill in the blank with your favorite free agent shortstop here. Um, game five, the Powder Blues, the Astros wore... I told you, I did not, that's their fault. I did not like the Powder Blues. <laughs> I don't think it had it's, anything to do with the uniforms. It's... it's a jinx. We're going to talk about why why it happened. Uh, and then in game six in Houston, an early lead. We, we don't have to talk about Gets turned around, and Kyle Schwarber was bunting in the eighth inning. And that was that was just the second half of a really crappy Saturday I forgot in Philadelphia. about that. <laughs> so I guess the overall question is what went wrong? And I think there are two answers for me. The first one is... They just weren't as good as the Astros. The Astros did what teams like that do. The, the Phillies kept them off the scoreboard a lot more than I think anyone thought they would. The, the Astros, I, I didn't count. I should have counted. Only scored in a few innings in that series. It wasn't like they were putting up two runs here, a run here, two runs here, three runs there, a run here. They were scoring all of their runs in a game in one inning, right? And like if you would tell me going into the series, hey, the Astros are going to score in six games in a total of like nine innings, I'm thinking, when's the parade, right? Because that's the thing the Phillies had done well during the playoffs was, was score and tack on and tack on. It didn't happen. And the Astros, they were the better team. They had one of the largest win differentials between World Series opponents in baseball history. And it showed. There's, a, there's an adage in soccer that, Form is temporary. Class is permanent. Forget everything about their organization. Their team was class, and the Phillies were just in good form. And so the Astros won the World Series. I think you're that right. That is as measured a take it's, as I can offer. <laughs> I'm honestly shocked. Um, <laughs> oh, don't worry. It'll get saucy in a minute. All right. Um, while the sauce is cooking, brewing, boiling, whatever... Um, the Astros were the better team. I think the biggest differential was in the bullpen. The Phillies were, the Phillies had a formula that could work, but it wasn't an automatic formula. Not that anything in sports is automatic. I think Alvarado was clearly not the same guy. I don't know if he was out of gas. I don't know exactly what happened. He was not the same guy. Sir Anthony or maybe professional was. hitters saw him for the third or fourth time in a series. Yeah, which is certainly possible. <laughs> it it mean, amazes me how starting pitchers, if they get to a third time through the lineup, managers are just you know, tripping over themselves to get him out because the team, so they don't see him a third time. But relievers, they'll just throw him out there game after game after game. It's the same the thing. Difference? What's the difference? Um, Carry on. You'll probably get to that later, uh, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, I really haven't thought about it. Too much. This was... I, I kind of forgot how exhausting the baseball playoffs are as a fan. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God, yeah. 
it's been a while. I'm a lot older <laughs> than, I, than I was the last time around. And just, I can only imagine how this the players feel, let alone us. Like, we're just watching it on TV. It's just, I haven't really thought about it that much because it just kind of happened. And I just <laughs> kind of turned the TV off. And I really haven't watched a whole lot of sports since then. Just... The Phillies broke just, sports for you. I, kind of. It's just, I I just... It's going to take a minute. I, maybe an Eagles playoff run will certainly help. But it's not... Meanwhile, I jump right into the World Cup. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not... It hurt. It didn't... I wasn't shocked that they lost. I think... I, I didn't really think they were going to win game six. I thought it was an uphill battle. Um, the no-hitter was not good. But you figured, okay, maybe they'll bounce back. And the lack of a bounce back probably was the the crushing blow. I think the worst part of it is just up to one, there was that chance of like, wait a minute, they could really do this. And then they didn't. Um, Hope is the I, most dangerous thing, John. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Uh, I think it's obvious that their lineup can contend. I think Bryson Stott's going to take the next step forward next year. It looks like he really found himself. I think there's good pieces to build around. I think this is the first truly positive momentum they've had in a while. Uh, We talked about it during the break when I did not give you kudos that this offseason could actually really hurt them next year, with especially with Bryce Harper. Right. But I, I am a little concerned that Nolan Wheeler, like you might have to bring them back very slowly. I'd like to see them sign another starter to kind of ease the burden on them. But then again, when do you not want to see them sign another starter? Yeah, <laughs> They could have six starters and I'd say, let's <laughs> sign another one. Um, the, the Harper thing is it, reaching the World Series almost feels like a Pyrrhic victory, right? Like we talked about you know, Shohei Otani coming back as a DH with, with having Tommy John surgery. And he was able to DH in May. It's like, yeah, he had surgery the first week of October. Bryce Harper had surgery in the middle of November because that's when his team finished playing. So he's going to be out till about the All-Star break, according to some reports, maybe at the earliest mid-June, and he won't be in the field until the end of the year. So this is another, I guess, a half season of, of Bryce Harper playing DH and a half season of Bryce Harper not being in the lineup. And people were were referring to him as one of, if not the best hitter in the National League. And no one ever felt that way about him when he signed here. But the last two years, you know, people can define best however they want. He's obviously been the most important hitter in the National League. And they're not going to have that for half the season. And so Dave Dombrowski did some wizardry to get him where they got. And now he's going to have to figure out how to patch it up for... 80 some games and he's probably the best guy to do it that you could possibly have. And then they signed him to an extension, but the, 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 the memories of Harper's October slash early November are going to have to hold us over for quite a while because of his injury. And then again, his injury may be what helps put them in that position, you know? He he shored up the, the the designated hitter role. That's for sure, right? <laughs> but well, uh, it's... I, I'd say two things put them in that position: Bryce Harper and the manager. You, however, <sighs> might want to disagree about the manager because I could also read what's very <laughs> next on this list. Yeah, I, I didn't exactly hide what I was going to say. Here's the thing: the there the, the, there was a lot of, and granted. I, I'm extremely online, so I don't know how like normal, rational people feel about it. There was a lot of consternation on Twitter, uh, Philly's Twitter, about Rob Thompson not getting... I don't even think he was a finalist for manager of the year. We talked on this very podcast toward the end of the season, and I brought you know hashtag data to prove that Rob Thompson really did not outperform Joe Girardi as a manager. Okay, At least that's the argument that I chose to have that data make. And it was, you know, it made sense, right? The schedule got a lot easier. They had all of their games against the putrid Nationals 
during Thompson's portion of the season. Okay. The problem that I had is that Joe Girardi got run out of town in part because he, he couldn't figure out how to properly manage their bullpen. Right. Everyone complained that he kept putting this guy in. He always put the wrong guy in and, and he made bad decisions and he wouldn't play the young guys, blah, blah, blah. So Thompson plays the young guys, but how much of that is his decision? Is that an organizational decision or is that his decision? I don't know. Little column A, little column B, I can believe either one, right? So they get to the playoffs. People want him to be named manager of the year because he helped guide a team to the playoffs that everyone expected would make the playoffs. That's not an achievement, okay? He did not do anything to earn the job other than be sitting on the bench when they fired the other guy, okay? So he was handed a job. And, and Lifetime did of baseball he steady... working for the Yankees. <laughs> That's what got him to where he was, yeah. And and we, we saw the story in the last couple of weeks. He was going to retire after this year. He was taking mementos from his last spring training. And then now he's got a couple of years as Philly's manager. And let me say, I am fine with him coming back as the manager. It is obvious that the players love him and love playing for him. The problem that I have is is more with with us as fans and the hypocrisy of criticizing and hating Joe Girardi while loving Rob Thompson. And really the only reason they love Rob Thompson is because he's not Joe Girardi, even though he makes the same sort of decisions. He cost the Phillies the World Series as much as anybody, okay? He started it's true. He started the playoffs in the very first game by making a terrible decision to take out Zach Wheeler and put in Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado gave up a home run that should have cost them the game until that crazy ninth inning happened, okay? He got bailed out. He ended the playoffs by taking out Zach Wheeler, who was dealing. Jose Alvarado gives up a bomb to Jordan Alvarez, who hadn't done anything of note since the first two games of the playoffs, and the Phillies lose game six, okay? They, they just were not able to overcome that. I think the series was lost when that that rain delay that, that prevented Game 3 from being played when it was. John, you're shaking your head at me. Justify having a bullpen game in Game 5 of a 2-2 World Series. Justify that. We talked about this. There are receipts to prove it. I didn't like the bullpen game idea. It was obviously a bad like one. I didn't like the Wheeler decision. Right. These are poor decisions. But you you can't uh, actually you can, but <laughs> one ought not to, in the same breath, say the Astros were far and away a better team. I didn't blah, say blah, they blah, were blah, far blah. and away better. It's, I said they were the better team. They did what they should do. The, the, the thing that makes it hurt is that it was no, there for the taking. It was, it was if the a, Astros came out and beat them eight nothing, seven to four, you know, six to no, okay, they lost. But it was there for the taking and poor decision making by the manager or by the organization cost them. All right. They should have stuck to what they were going to do. If you want to throw Ranger Suarez in Game 3 and do a bullpen Game 4, that's fine. Aaron Nola should have been on the mound in Game 5, not in Game 4. He didn't pitch poorly in that game. He needed the extra day of rest, too, I think. Yes, he had a tough sitting there that during the season they would have let him get out of. Instead, they yanked him, they put in the bullpen, the Astros scored five runs, and really that's where the series ended. The Astros were down two games to one, but they won the series. Also in part because they didn't use any of their bullpen guys in that home run barrage, right? They got through the game without using any of their important pieces. So they were down two to one, but were probably feeling pretty good about themselves for good reason. I think that the pitching was absolutely mishandled in the World Series. David Robertson was in game five and gave up what proved to be the run that was the difference. But who else were you going to really throw? Like, they didn't really have a whole lot of they options. They burned through their good options too early. But sometimes okay. you have to do that to win a baseball game. But baseball games are nine innings, right? So, like, if you're like, all right, well, I'm going to burn out all my good guys through the seventh, that's your fault. David Robertson should have been nowhere near the field. They, they brought in Sir Anthony Dominguez too early, knowing, and I can't remember the specifics now because it's been it's, a month. It's been so long. But I just remember, I was at game five, John, and I remember shrieking to the heavens. What are you doing? Getting some looks from people. But people were getting like 
progressively more agitated with the team because they weren't getting hits, they weren't getting on base, and they waited until well, there you the go. seventh or eighth inning. That's but it. That, that's also it. Yes, you're not going to win games hitting poorly. But the pitching was mishandled from, can, from that no. Halloween night on, and, and the, the poor decisions were made. And that cost the team a lot more than you or anyone else seems to want to admit. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying I agree with you. How that dare the, I just, question Philly Rob? Uh, first of all, I, I hate the Philly Rob. Thing. <laughs> I don't it's even know. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> I have He's no idea. Canadian Rob. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Rob who works in Philly. I mean, like, what is that? Um, just in general, like, I agree with you on individual point, on the individual points, but the collective point of those decisions cost you the World Series, that's just wrong. It's will just, you will you concede that they had an outsized impact on the results of each individual game? Of course, they impacted the individual game. I don't know if it's like outsized. outsized. No, I, I I think they were the biggest factor. You even said the Astros strengthened bullpen compared to the Phillies. Well, when yeah, that but bullpen that strength the bullpen means that all of a sudden you're stuck throwing David Robertson. And honestly, at that situation, it might have been more important. Again, I can't remember the specifics, but it made sense to throw. Those guys are early because I didn't want to see David Robertson at all. Like if they were up 10-1, I probably wouldn't have wanted <laughs> to see him then either. But to me, the the biggest failure in the World Series, if I'm going to pin it on one unit, the bullpen was a deficiency. The offense just didn't it show up. It turned back into a pumpkin. It turned back into a pumpkin. Some of that might be the Astros' very good starting pitching staff. So you, it's it's really hard to say one without the other. To say that Rob Thompson had an outsized impact on the World Series is ridiculous. He also very much won them game one. Go on. Hyper-aggressive strategy. I, was saying, I think J.C. Real Muto won them game one. That too. And, and then completely unplugged for the rest of the series. what happens when the offense but. shows up. <laughs> um, we could argue, maybe we should. Because we've we can got, have a, a face-off sometime. There's going to be some, some time to fill in the next month or two. Because it's it's either that or talking about, like, what is James Harden coming back? And wait, should they really have made the James Harden trade after all? <laughs> Things like that. Like, but How many we've, times we've can we have this. that conversation? <laughs> how many days is it until spring training? <laughs> uh, just, just, just to put a wrap on it. Because, again, we will just agree to disagree. And then we'll disagree about it some more times. <laughs> I think the biggest silver lining in this whole run was Bryce Harper cementing himself as a Philly legend. I think he was very much on the upswing. I think if you were a Phillies fan who was paying attention the last couple of years, you really had no true bone to pick with him. He's been what we wanted and maybe double that. He's been as good as advertised Actually, that's wrong. He's been way better than advertised. What he was able to do, especially in the NLCS, is just truly special. And I feel like more than any other player in that 08 run, he really carved himself a legend in the postseason. Because I think the 08, 09, 10 run was so much more of a team effort than this one. Like Utley had the 09 World Series. But he didn't carve his legacy out of that World Series. Jimmy Rollins had some great moments, like Carlos Ruiz, Roy Holiday. Like maybe Roy Holiday is the closest thing, but at that point, it was the end of the run. Blah blah blah. Too late. Um, I think just overall, Bryce Harper, what we saw him do, especially considering he can't even throw a baseball. <laughs> like, like <laughs> just take that into consideration. Uh, was one of the truly amazing things I've seen in my 37 years of watching sports in Philly. I'll sum it up in one sentence. Bryce Harper ensured that his Cooperstown plaque is going to have a P on the hat. That's not wrong. He's forever now associated by everyone as a Philly. He spent eight years, was it, in, in Washington and never had a moment like that. And, and really, their team never had a moment like that. And when we talked about this, when we talked about 
the NLCS. That is what he was signed here to do. And and we said, how often does a guy live up to the billing when the billing is that high, let alone anywhere, let alone here in Philly? And he did that. And he will be, you know, they talk, oh, he's going into the Hall of Fame as this or that. He will be in the Hall of Fame as a Philly. He's probably, well, Scott Rowland won't have a Phillies logo on his hat, but he will be a Philly that probably goes into the Hall of Fame. Maybe Jimmy Rollins or Chase Utley. Bryce Harper might be the next Philly to go into the Hall of Fame. And that, and, and that I think, encapsulates his postseason in a nutshell and why they're going to miss him so much for the first few months of 2023. But we will talk about what they're going to do to make up for that, what we would like them to do, what they're going to do, because I have a feeling that this is another one of those off-seasons that w- might drag on a little bit with free agency. <sighs> the hot stove is uh, <laughs> not it's quite it, so hot. T- tepid at best. <laughs> uh, although I did hear today that Jose Abreu uh, is looking to sign in Houston. So the rich get richer down there. But uh, one other team uh, lost a championship match the very same day. My beloved Philadelphia Union. I don't know if, if you watched the match, John. But I watched behind closed doors by myself in a room with no other people. Just me and the television and some water uh, in a sealed bottle so that any sort of involuntary flailing would not cause a mess. Um, I did watch the end of it. I was, I bought movie tickets without realizing the time. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I was able to watch the daylight hours, John yikes. <laughs> Someone who doesn't like other people in the movies. <laughs> um, they went down to LAFC, but they were not out. It wasn't one of those things where it's like, Oh, they're going to, you know, see this one out. They tied it up. L.A. went ahead again in like the 82nd minute. But then the Union tied it up a few minutes later. Extra time, the LAFC goalkeeper. And he was the backup goalkeeper for Canada, getting ready to go to the World Cup. Comes out to make a play on Corey Burke, and he breaks his own leg. And it's it's not funny, but there is something kind of funny about seeing a man be carted off the field injured and then the referee giving him a red card. (laughs) Um, But that's what happened because he was the last defender back and he took down a player with a clear goal scoring opportunity. It's a straight red card. Everyone knew it from the start, except for the referee who originally gave him a yellow card. There is no situation in which that play can be a yellow card. And he pulled out a yellow card. Is that possible in any other sport? Um, I think you would like have to foul a guy football? so hard in basketball that you like broke your arm on the top of his head or on the backboard as you were fouling him in the head. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Theoretically, you could spear a guy in football and injure yourself. Um, but yeah, like, it's very difficult to be carted off and sent off at the same time. And that's what happened to Maxime Cripeau. And... So you feel for him, his his World Cup dream gone. And with Canada eliminated now by the time we're recording, he likely would have played in their third match. But at that moment, it's like, all right. And I thought, well, who's coming in? John McCarthy, former union backup slash occasional starter. John McCarthy, who was known as a, a penalty shot stopping whiz. So it's like... The Union are either going to lose to John McCarthy or they're going to win and everyone's going to be like, oh, it's because the goalie got hurt. Well, no, the goalie was sent off. So he, whether he was injured or not, he was done, okay? The Union capitalized. McCarthy makes a great save, but there's a rebound. The Union score. And then Gareth Bale. Talk about Bryce Harper doing what he was signed to do. Gareth Bale was nothing short of a failure of a signing by LAFC. Did absolutely nothing of note to contribute until the 128th minute of what should have been a 120 minute match tired legs, a quick restart by LAFC. It's three, three penalty kicks. The first one gets saved. Andre Blake saves the first kick and then 
Daniel Gazdag sends his over the bar. The Union converted zero penalty kicks. LAFC wins MLS Cup. And honestly, John, Joe Carter, Rondé Barber, they cannot hurt me anymore. I know you might need a trigger warning. I, They can't hurt me anymore. I will never, ever not see Gareth Bale heading that ball in and John McCarthy saving those penalties as the most gutting defeat I've ever experienced as a fan. I texted, I was texting with a friend during the game and late on uh, after they had tied it, I think before it went to extra time, I said, whatever happens, I'm probably going to cry at the end. And I didn't, but boy, did I want to. I don't know. For me, the most gutting loss. Let's really talk about our feelings here. <laughs> the, the most gutting loss uh, still resides in the 2004 Elite Eight. We don't have to talk about that. It's really hard to get a, a carload of Sagers to uh, be quiet for two hours. <laughs> but that that happened. Um, and Just an absolute gut punch followed by a chair to the face, followed by a kick in the nads, right? Followed by Game Six of the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 was the cherry on top of an awful Saturday. <laughs> uh, part of the reason why we didn't record the following night, I, we had planned to, and then we we're just like, I can't do it. And I'm like, Yeah, you can't do it. How do you think I feel? So, um, yeah, I, I would say for me that was like one and a half losses, but for you that was like eight. It, it was. Death by a thousand paper cuts. It was death by a thousand wallops over the head. <laughs> but here's here's what we have. Speaking of enjoying it, you have long lobbied for me to attend more union matches. Mm-hmm. We went to the Eastern Conference Final. You did. And honestly, I'd have to say it can't contend with the NLCS because that was just that was just special. Um and that's that's my number one team, so it's it's just not going to contend. But it is possibly the second best moment as a fan I've had at a live sporting event in ten plus years, at least. I, I don't even know what the the next one would be. It was just so much fun, and I'm totally thankful that you've left the door open between. I should say following multiple texts a month for multiple years <laughs> since we've known each other. Hey, did you watch the game? No, the answer was <laughs> the answer was no. Uh, but I had so much fun at that game. And if there was a win, it's that man, like I, I, I enjoyed that. I I have watched the second half of that match several times. And if you look at the team's social media, you can see video of me jumping up and down partially because you are not in the video because you were <laughs> you in know, the bathroom. Oh man. Uh, see, I wasn't going to bring that up. I was just going to say, you know what? That's a nice way to end things, but, but that's not what we do here. <laughs> the union fell behind one nil to New York city FC, uh, just like they went ahead one nil the year before. And just like New York turned it around, the union turned it around real quick they got the tying goal, and I'm looking at the clock. It's like the 65th minute, and I know that extra time is a possibility. And I had to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. New York's got to sit on the ball for a little bit. I'm going to run to the bathroom. I was gone three minutes, John. And I'm in the bathroom, and you kind of hear the swell of the crowd. Like, oh, the union have the ball back. They must be coming forward. And then – you hear the crowd pop and someone's just like, no way. And then you hear the music and you're like, we missed it. The The Eastern Conference championship winning goal. The I did biggest not see in goal person. in franchise history. Arguably the biggest goal in franchise history. If you don't count any of the ones scored in the actual final. And I was in the bathroom because I was preparing for extra time. <laughs> and... Let it be known, you were making fun of me beforehand for nursing my water. <laughs> and I, I was there for the goal. So, Just again, saying. what we're going to take from it is a great season for both the Phillies and the Union. National League, Eastern Conference champions. 
we got to be a part of some really cool moments in both series and both both playoffs and we're going to leave it at that and uh we're going to get off the air and i'm going to drive over and i'm going to beat you up for that i can't believe that you would do that to me kick me when i'm down (laughs) you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music spotify stitcher and more our website is phillyfrenetics.com. As John will point out, he has a lead in Quick Picks this year uh, for the first time in his life, and he's been reminding me about it every second that he possibly can. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Philly Frenetics. John, why don't we try to do this Twitter. again next week? Instead, <laughs> you can find us so long as Twitter exists. <laughs> Let's try to do this again next week uh, instead of waiting a month. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do. All right. Well, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Take care. I'll see you next time. See you next time.